Hey there, welcome to another episode of Johanna's Art Beat. I'm your host, Johanna Grisey. You can find me on Instagram at Johanna R. Grisey, on Twitter at Johanna Grisey, and also um, my website, johannagrisey.com. I did want to announce before we get to the episode that I am probably going to be taking the podcast on a bit of a longer hiatus. I know the episodes have been coming out sporadically anyway, but I really want to try my hand at some uh, script writing, and I think I need to take a pause on this. But I've really appreciated everyone who's listened, and I'm really excited to bring you this episode with Nicola Rose, my friend and filmmaker. She's fantastic, and I think you're going to love this one. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, let me tell you a little bit about what I thought about Goodbye, Petrushka. This will probably contain a little bit of spoilers, but definitely um, I would highly suggest just in case watching the film first, but that's really up to you. It can still be enjoyed even if you listen to this review. So the film centers around a young girl, Claire, who quits school and moves to Paris to work on her dream of puppet making. She ends up, like most of us artists, doing something to supplement her income. So she lives in a, as an au pair to a, shall we say, très difficile French family. That's actually where a lot of the humor in the film comes from, is her interactions with this family and children in the film. It's like a fish out of water and coming of age story all wrapped into one. And the film itself is done beautifully in a sort of dreamlike state. Everything's exaggerated. Just as, in my opinion, how a lot of life seems in your 20s. So I think it was really, really a great way to put it. Claire is endearingly awkward, played by Lizzie Kehoe. Her journey of finding creative fulfillment is juxtaposed with figure skier Thibault's journey. Thibault is played by Thomas Vilge, reprising the same role he played in the prior short version of this film, Creative Block. In this earlier iteration, Claire was played by my guest, Nicola. Here in Petrushka, excuse me, much as in the short, we find out Thibault is considered washed up by his profession and trying to figure out what his next step is going to be. We see a lot of really cool flashbacks of figure skating, and that's really what Claire has been, has been attracted to. She just is amazed by his talents. In the beginning, we see um, Thibault is mostly given up, and he's working at a bank with skating in his past. Although age-wise, they probably aren't much different with Claire and Thibault. Probably Thibault's a tiny bit older, but Claire, they could be seen as the two, two progressions of an artist. Claire being the young, full of life, not jaded artist, uh, seeing the world um, as her oyster. And then Thibault being the person who's gone through some of the successes and now facing some painful realities and has basically given up. Um, Creative Block also introduced these two characters, as I mentioned, but neither could be as flushed out as they are, of course, in this full-length feature. Claire feels a connection, much as in the short with Thibault, but here he also has a girlfriend, Trina, a ballet dancer played by Kat Gray. While working as an au pair, Claire's work on her poetry, she works on her puppetry, excuse me, and enters into a relationship with Rafal, played by Bartek Szymanski. This is Claire's first love, and a lot of firsts. And I really dug how Nicola shows a harsh reality of first love, that it's not all sunshines and rainbows. Their relationship is also her first sexual experience, and it would appear full relationship. So she's not that equipped yet to see how toxic things are with her fall. She just doesn't really see that. And after she has her first experience, she gives a line that many of us think after we have our first experience. And she just says, is there more? And it's just so well acted, directed and written. It's just a powerful, soft scene um, that really hit me. Film and TV um, make first love always seem like a dream, but Patricia so well shows that it's not always like that. And the problem with not knowing better, with it being the very first, that things aren't perfect. 
Rafal is fairly awful to Claire, but Claire also doesn't really know how to communicate things. This film really flips the notion on its head of romance and shows reality without being heavy handed. You don't feel like you're being lectured to, but there is that underlying message that's really, really well done. Even though she's with Rafal, Claire's chemistry is so much stronger with Thibaut. She connects with him and tries to convince him to be a part of a puppet play she's working on. But to me, this is where Claire's naivety shows again. When he says he's kind of resisting this request of hers, she doesn't hear him when he says no. She thinks she just has to convince him and that things are going to work out exactly how she plans in her head, which again is that romantic comedy notion of things are just going to go a certain way, but they don't always. I won't say what happens, what the final result is, but this story is primarily Claire's story. Her coming into her own as a woman and an artist. The film, as I mentioned, is also really funny with great work by Casey Landman as Claire's best friend. I really enjoyed it and I just think it's so different from anything out there. She's also got, um, Nicola also has a bunch of really fun kids and interactions with um, Claire when she's doing a, some puppetry work with kids and her just like losing it in front of them. These parents and these kids is just fantastic. It's so funny and just so well done. Um, Nicola, I think has a really unique and wonderful voice and her films are just great. watched the show or listened, you know I like to talk a little bit about my guests before I have the interview. So let me tell you a bit more about Nicola Rose. By the way, this is from her website, nicolaroserex.com. She's an award-winning New York City-based filmmaker whose work is gathering acclaim, and rightly so, on the festival circuit. The film we talk about here, Goodbye Patricia, is her first full-length feature film that she directed, a coming-of-age comedy. She also wrote it as well. And she also produced the film together with her producing partner, Tierney Borbor. And the film premiered at Dances with Films in LA this past summer of 2022. Prior to that, she directed, produced, and or wrote the shorts. I mean, that's a lot, right? Creative Block, In the Land of Moonstones, Gabrielle, and Biff and Me. And she's done a lot of other projects as well, which you can check out on imdb.com. Um, the films I mentioned all have won numerous awards on the indie film festival circuit. And most recently, she was invited to show Biff and Me at the San Diego Comic-Con International, where she spoke on a panel about the film. Outside of being a filmmaker, Nicola has worked as a French translator, a freelance casting director, and for a while, a professional puppeteer. So you can see where puppet making figures into her artwork here. She's a graduate of Columbia University and the Université Sorbonne Nouvelle in Paris. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Nicola Rose. Hey, Nicola. Thanks for coming to Johanna's Art Beat. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks. Uh, I know you're the magic of Zoom. You're in France right now, right? And I'm in yes, New York City. Magic of technology. So, yeah. um, and it relates to your to your film as well. Mm -hmm. uh, part of that is set in France. So we're going to be talking to Nicola about Goodbye Petruska, her her uh, film. So I just wanted Nicola. I just wanted to start real quickly with how we met. I think we connected a few years back, just as like acting, uh, like. Uh, you know, the industry connected uh, community members. I think personally, one, that's one of my favorite things about moving to New York City is just getting to meet all these creative people, new friends and stuff like that. So I don't know about you, but. Yeah, you meet people very easily. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, and you originally, you did some acting, but you moved to directing. Um, tell me about like that transition and what made you want to get into directing? Sure. Um, I think I learned to direct actually mostly by acting because that wasn't my training that wasn't um what I went to school for I actually 
Um, I went to school for a couple things. Uh, one of my degrees is in, well, both of my degrees are in French. One of them is also in theater as well as French, which is a very long story. But uh, <laughs> essentially, um, I think that by performing from um, roughly the age of 10 through wow. uh, 28, or because actually I, I yeah, I, I stopped performing in around uh, 2016, now oh, that okay. I think about the timeline. And it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to stop now. It was more that I just ended up, I was directing and performing for a little sort of overlap mm-hmm. time in there, a little window. And I realized through doing that, that I was actually better suited overall to being behind the camera. Mm. And that is something I never would have imagined when I was younger. Cause I don't think, I don't think by and large, um, young kids and teenagers think in terms of, I'm going to be a director. I don't think that's what we think, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I think that's more just how the evolution of what I did happened. And yeah, at some point, uh, it all became directing and I never looked back at performing and I actually felt completely, uh, fulfilled. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause that's kind of, that would be like, I guess a lot of our fears, like, were we going to miss the acting? But no, no and you're agreeing- I mean, some people do, I think miss it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and since we mentioned you're in France, you you've always been really connected with all things French. Can I? And you mentioned you majored in it. What um, drew you to that like culture? Is that part of your background as well, or not? Exactly. I mean, I I am European American. I have that background, although um, on it's it's actually the Netherlands on one side. And but um, long story short, I uh, I had the chance to come and study in France when I was I was in college. And I almost didn't go. I actually almost oh. didn't go at all. But it was one of these things that like I could do. And it was sort of, I felt like, oh, it'd be dumb not to go, you know. Yeah, almost sure. I was like, well, yeah, I guess. Okay, sure. Let's do it. You know, not a very well-considered um, idea. I think I, I think I was at the last minute for applying to even do it. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, it wasn't like, uh, the way I portray my character in the movie, when I say my character, I mean, not that it's supposed to be me. It's my, it's, you know, the character that's at the center of the movie. And a number of people think it's me, which I'll maybe talk about later and kind okay. of, uh, you know, undo some of those notions. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, one thing, one thing with that character is that uh, she has lived and breathed and slept all things France since she was a little kid. And, and for me, it was more like, you know, I had some notions of speaking French or certainly had notions of culture, but it wasn't until a certain point that I said, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go uh, study there. And, uh, that, um, I, I think everything, everything that I like about who I am and everything important about who I am since then is all due to that original, um, trip to France. That's and, awesome. Yeah, those memories are still, you know, uh, very much alive for me as I'm here now. And, uh, you know, they're, they're everything that uh, started me off here is still with me as I walk around here. That's awesome. That's so, that's fantastic. I guess yeah. you just have to go with what life gives you. Um, yeah, it was a surprise. You, you kind of sure. went with it. So that's great. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2016, you had your own series called Callie and Izzy. Was that your first directing experience? If you want to tell me a little bit about that. Uh, my first directing experience was a few years before that. Um, I directed a, I wrote and directed a, a, a theater piece. It was a musical um, that, let me see, 2009 was the first time I really directed something, but Callie and Izzy was my first experience directing something on film. And uh, 
Yeah. So that was the thing that really kind of, so within a, a year, uh, I did Callie and Izzy and I, that same year, 2016, I think I, because that was really the year I stopped acting. Um, and that same year I did my first, um, short film, uh, creative block, which was kind of, right. you know, the seed for goodbye Petrushka. And, um, both of those, I was also in them. And I think people, I actually disagree with this way of thinking about things, but I think people often when they hear, oh, um, you know, oh, here's an actor and they're also, uh, they're, they've also, here's a director and they're also acting in the thing they directed. I think we tend to look upon that with a certain um, dollop of skepticism hmm. because they figure, oh, it must be either, uh, you know, self-aggrandizement or it's just really terrible um oh, okay but, yeah neither of those I like are have done a great job of. i mean you did a great job so I, oh, thank you uh but i think i think people uh you know i think people need to keep an open mind until they actually look at it certainly Absolutely. there are yeah there's stuff that shouldn't be done but there there's um you know plenty of counter examples to that and uh i think for my part you know i'm not acting anymore but <clears throat> when i was um, that actually, those two experiences together taught me the most about what I do because it was really hard. I had to dash behind the camera, look at what was happening, say, okay, no, we need to do that again and then go do it again. Yeah, I that's, couldn't, that's like, I was wondering how it worked. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I would just dash back and forth and wear comfortable clothes then I never had to change, you know, <laughs> um, basically just so that I never had to say, oh, well, now I need to go change out of these uncomfortable clothes so I can direct, you know, um, but that taught me so much about, basically, you can never let your guard down. You can never sort of relax. There is no downtime. And right. that's the preparation for later when you're quote unquote, just directing and so much easier. Right. That's not right. easier about like either. That makes sense. No, I mean, that's, that's really interesting. Cause I always wondered, how does that work? But that's, yeah, that makes sense. You'd never have a break. Yeah. Um, and one of your, we just, you kind of just mentioned it a second ago, but one of your first films was Creative Block, which ties into your current one. Mm -hmm. um, and the character, you know, Claire and Thibault also um, appear. It's the same actor in your current mm -hmm. film. Of course, it's someone else playing you, playing Claire, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> playing Claire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it always your plan to make a full, full film from this short? Or what made you want to expand on this one? Yeah, um, it always was my plan, but I sort of uh, walked away from it a little bit in between the two films. I had gone on to make other shorts and uh, I was thinking, well, you know, there was that like feature version I wrote because I wrote the feature first and the short oh, second. Okay. They're very gotcha. different from each other. Yeah, the feature actually has existed. Uh, the feature script, I think I wrote in 2013. So it had been around a long time um, gathering dust. And <laughs> I think at some point I said, oh, you know, um, at some point I said, this would just be too hard to produce. I don't have the budget for this. Mm -hmm. uh, and what happened was that when my producing partner, Tierney Borbor came along, this is, um, she's my producing partner on, on Goodbye Petrushka. Really the, the shorts were so small. I didn't really have a producing partner, I had a crew, you know, um, I was the producer. I was, I was the production, um, you know, they're yeah, tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How it goes. It's like, you got to do what you got to do. And yeah, yeah. Um, so when she came along, uh, she, proposed some um changes to what had been kind of the original script of goodbye petrushka uh -huh. that actually really helped in making it like a smaller more condensed uh film not condensed in um a, like a temporal sense but like it was a smaller film and it was something that we could do on a budget and i'm 
I'm never somebody who's going to insist, oh, we must do this larger budget thing. I'm just inclined to make it be smaller if we need to. So it became a smaller budget film. Like, you know, the film, as you know, has to do with an ice skater. So there was like a major skating competition taking place in the original uh, film. Oh. There, there was other stuff that essentially would have sort of bumped it up into the million, you know, multi-million dollar range. Wow. And yeah. it didn't need to happen because yeah, it's about the people and yeah it's about the people it's such a small intimate little indie film and a lot of it is very internal I mean there's more yeah. internal I'm working at the moment on something that's way more internal um that actually I could have probably done as my first feature and done this as my second but hey it didn't work that way so like anyway but no, yeah that's I just didn't know producers even like with could do things like edit or suggest edits to the script that's interesting as well well I think the thing is that what a producer is is so ill-defined that there's is, yeah. producers and what Tierney is for example is is what she would call and what I would call a logistics producer okay. so it, it sort of encompasses different parts of like line producer and UPM um and um production coordinator and probably other stuff I'm forgetting because, you know, it's wearing many hats ultimately. Yeah, but yeah. Well, that's kind of the point, actually, is that she and I were like the two uh, the, kind of the two pistons on the engine of uh, mm -hmm. Goodbye Petrushka. And um, when she was uh, this actually goes back to what you just said. You didn't know producers could do that. I mean, they can, of course, yeah, they can do kind of anything, but it's a little lawless out there. But <laughs> one, of, one of the things that she um was doing at that point was actually being more of a script doctor I mean I don't think she signed on first and said oh I want to produce this with you if you do this it was more like she was like you know um here are some things you could do to make this producible and I think once I did she's like oh this is like nearly there as far as I'm concerned I uh, you know yeah let's make it you know awesome I mean um, I produced once like a, a, a production of proof like in Florida but it was a play so way different like I don't know the film producing so that's really interesting to oh see. there's yeah you guys were such a team it sounds like so yeah 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 yeah. we were we were a duo and then departments um by which I mean like camera and stuff all of that um people I knew and people she knew all those folks came on kind of later so yeah oh wow yeah. we were the we were the OG team that's awesome yeah. And I also have to mention in Creative Block, uh, the visual aspect is really beautiful. It opens with uh, um, balloons and color floating past a girl. You played Claire's window and a voiceover of her saying a block of ice. You've got to be kidding me. Um, I assume <laughs> yeah. the contrast of colors was like life with and without art. Can you just tell me a little yep. bit about that? Was it okay about why you did that? Oh, you're right. I mean, it's open to interpretation a couple of ways. I, I used to say it was uh it was depression and not oh okay that could be too yeah I mean it's the same thing because it's it's um in that movie which I haven't looked at in so 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 long that I think well what am I saying is this even accurate but it it does have to do with uh a lack of lack of art lack of lack of access to art within her own right. mind making her become depressed yeah I, I we need the arts like creative people I think we need to have some kind of outlet because I preach probably... to the choir man <laughs> yeah exactly uh yeah. and we see in this um we see Tavo here for the first time the figure skater you mentioned who's I guess his like his his time for fame is over you know they probably tried to said to him that you know you've got to retire no one wants to see you they call him too old in a clown which is hilarious because he looks like he's got to be like what early 30s or like, yeah no, I know oh my he's, gosh yeah even very he's very oh, young but, but they retire so early in that sport you, that that's true I guess 
24 would be accurate that's the weird thing because if people are than acting jeez oh no it's but their bodies give out that's that thing it's like dancers and dancers and skaters so my friend who uh, was a, a skater um retired i think he was 26 25 26 wow. he had arthritis it wasn't just politics it is group politics it's like you know kids at the cool table politics and federation heads saying we want to promote this person at the head okay. of the team this year and not this person anymore because he had his turn it's this person's turn and they're getting funding this year and blah 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 and there's uh i don't I don't pretend to know all the details of it, but there is a lot of that. Um, and that's kind of why that, you know, if you follow this stuff in any given country, you see different people at the national level than you do at the the world level. You see different sectional competitors than you do regional competitors. And not all of it is just, oh, they skated better than this other person did. So of course they get number one. There, There's just all this subjective uh, components to it. Wow. Um, that's interesting yeah i never really thought it because i used to watch a lot of figure skating and they are usually uh, too um and it is quite like athletic what they do so that does kind oh, of so athletic yeah, arthritis at 26 oh my god no no they kill themselves that's crazy and I, that's kind of answered my question i had before that like you know i was going to ask you is why you incorporated figure skating but since you had the friend who that kind of uh yeah, i had a friend who inspired me that's correct awesome yeah. um and I felt like in the in the original, the short, it wasn't really clear to me how Thibault and Claire connected. So was this another like reason, like another thing you wanted to explore in the future? Because we kind of see more about how like she gets how into- they actually met. Yeah. 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 I think in the short, she just sees him on TV and then she like heads off to France on the magic train and meets him. Much um, movie magic, but yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know, the, the short is so much magical realism that the reasons. But that's that's what you do a lot of beautifully. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You don't really need to know, I think. I mean, people uh, people have made up sort of different... Um, if I looked at the short now, I would probably think, hmm, you know, the, the, uh, the logic here is, is, is not, what I, not what I would do now. But, you know, I have no idea. I just know that it's, um, you know, it changed certainly in the feature. You have so much more breathing room to figure out things like, well, how did they meet? The fact that they actually... It seems improbable that you would, you know, run into this random person on the street uh, and then you know figure out how to find them again in France but it's actually exactly the sort of thing that does happen it does sometimes I mean yeah uh, definitely run into people on the subway that you haven't seen since I like, have yeah like people are like you never see people twice yeah you do in New York you do oh my god yeah no all the time yeah so that's that's great um I also really like the intercut of the New York subway and the Paris one and <laughs> yeah like in the in the you know it's kind of like first you got the New York one the Paris one I mean, I assume the Paris one. Maybe you shot some of that when you were when you were visiting there. The the in the in the in the short. Yeah, we actually went to Paris to shoot part okay. of the short. Short was shot in both countries. It was the feature that was actually shot. Yes. Just, yeah. Only yeah. That's that's just which is wild because it looks like Paris. It really. Um, does. I did want to just ask, what is it? Was it like filming on a train though? Especially here in New York City, like, did you just find a like a really early morning time, or how did you manage that to not make it look like a mess? I don't remember. I do think it was quite early. I do, you know, I think, yeah, the way I, the way I remember it, it was very early and we, you know, we had to find a certain kind of station that matched a kind of station layout in in, in Paris and, um, 
it was one where we were standing it, it had to be one where you could like there was no divider because of a long shot we did of like my character on the platform I remember it had to be something where there was no divider so you could shoot all the way across wow this is like almost so much thought goes into each little thing that's that's, that's oh my that's god about, like the arts and about film um and uh let's see so tell me a little bit about too about how you enter like your films into film festivals because you get into like if you go to your her website uh, i think it's nicola rose directs um and you all of your films have lists and lists of like film festivals you've like done well in so which congratulations but how do you like get into all these festivals and what's that process a little bit like if you want to tell me? Um, you know, you 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 pay the entry fees through Film Freeway. <laughs> okay, gotcha. It's basically that. I mean, you know, there there are certainly times that people will invite you to be part of something and um, you know, they reach out to you, but usually unless you're already you already have a certain kind of notoriety, which I certainly didn't, um, especially at the time I was doing the short films. Um, you know, it was basically us finding things and, you know, um, trying our luck. So it's kind of like acting where you submit to a million things, I guess, in, in some way. Scattershot approach, no matter what. Absolutely. Um, and then I just want to talk a little bit about your your prior films. Um, sure. Land of uh, Moonstones is another film of yours about a young girl falling in love for the first time and kind of her connection to her Russian grandmother. It was filmed here in Brighton Beach. Um, a lot of your films focus on love, often first or young love. Why Why this focus? Um, I think it's one of the most compelling, uh, not just one of the most compelling uh, emotions that we feel, but also everybody has been through that or nearly everybody except the sociopaths has been through it. <laughs> so what, uh, what that means is that everybody... Um, I think it's very evocative for people and you know the thing is not to over romanticize it if you can help it although in the land of moonstones I think you know it tends in that direction but it's a story seen in a rearview mirror so it it does tend to do that um, when you look at things as memories uh it's also adapted from a book which I'll I'll get back to another time but um that's another reason that it's written in a, a different style than some of the others but the um I think the main thing is that everybody has had a first love and most people uh, remember that more um, sharply than they do like successive loves or whatever. It's not like, oh, loved each person less since then, but it just had like no, a, I mean, it's a first yeah, you know, powerful wallop. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And you did I mention- can't say I even remember what my first love totally looked like, but I kind of, you know, I remember. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, the time more than anything else. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned it was inspired by um, someone else's work and it was, I'm probably going to butcher this name, Tanya. What's the last name? Sologub. Okay. I just didn't want to try and mess it up. Oh, it's okay. She's my good friend and she lives here in France. Oh, and that's she, awesome. Yeah. She had written a beautiful um, story about her childhood and I uh, basically arranged with her to do a film that was loosely based on it. And so oh. basically I stole her childhood for my own personal, absolutely non-gain because short films never make any money but she was all on board and oh, that's all. Yeah, I was gonna say how you got the rice up but it makes sense if, if you're it probably. was pretty yeah pretty did she also have like the the grandmother in Brighton Beach or it was more just oh she did uh, not not in Brighton Beach that uh, I transplanted the film to New York uh so as not to, because 
the the movie is actually set in France uh, again, where the the grandma is an immigrant from uh, Russia to France. But there was no like partic- particular reason to film that in France because there's nothing inherently really French about it. Right, it's, like Russian. Right. it's Russian and something else that could be French, that could be English, Absolutely. American. Yeah, so I just thought we'll shoot it here, and we have oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and your film Moonstones is, is like in your current film. It uses art um, along with the film, like animation and your drawings. Like, what's the process of incorporating these mixed media elements? Uh, the idea there with Moonstones was to I forget why I wanted to do that. I liked it. I had somebody that I wanted to. It's actually a different artist from Petrushka. Um, but it it uh, I I liked the idea of using cartoon art as a sort of medium to tell the things that were more fanciful or imaginary. Yeah, There's some who wrote um, uh, inaccurately in a review of Petrushka that I must have done the animated sequences to save money. Oh. Um, first of all, nobody would ever do that to save money. I would think uh, there might be more money, but I'm not expensive. sure. Uh, yeah, it's expensive. Uh, but But no, I actually, in both films and Moonstones didn't really cost anything. It was a teeny little... Uh, Petrushka is more costly as a feature film but um, in both cases the animations are there to suggest um, imaginary things or memories that are so foggy well actually in Moonstones it is a little I I, I lied Moonstones there's actually a couple of passages like tree climbing that for insurance reasons we were not ever going to yeah so it's like okay but um no in Petrushka um you know they were like well it's just because she couldn't show figure skating no I could we had a body double who was a professional oh, yeah, figure skater. you see him skating I don't know why anybody would say that it's like do people just want to say things that are vaguely hurt not hurtful but like that are vaguely um derogatory because it's like well if you too are on a shoestring budget you might want to take a leaf out of her book I was like first of all Petrushka although it was on a shoestring budget doesn't really look that way at all and none of your I mean honestly to me none of your films like they're They're yeah no they are low budget they are they don't look it they look like well done and everything so it's I mean I can't tell so well I think the thing is I think that thank you for one thing but I think the (laughs) thing is just try to you know make the dollar go as far as it can go and a lot of that you can't control a lot of that is by other people being really nice and doing things like contributing their own equipment and you can't like make people do that you can say hey would you do this and then it's up to them to say like no or um yeah sure it's it's their choice so if you have people who are willing to get on board with what you're doing uh you're very lucky and you owe them you know uh, I, i don't believe in like oh you owe people but you owe them a lot you're you know you you want to do good things for them no, that's awesome. You want to pay it, pay it back, you know, yeah, yeah. help them in back some forward and yeah, that's awesome. Um, and that's good. That's good advice. You know, yeah. uh, Gabrielle, you did in 2019, another short, um, this one focuses on Gabrielle, a young ballet student who's overcoming bullying. Uh, you see, use the same grandmother from Moonstones, which I loved. And your lead was a party guest in Moonstone. So I assume like yes. using the same people is like easy because you get a rapport with them. I really like yeah, that. You <laughs> sorry go ahead no I was just saying I love that you use someone who is like someone who does background work is you use someone who's background and you bought them as, as a lead I actually I, I always have my eye on people and the story there there's more to that story is that she auditioned Adele Marie Alex who plays um, Gabrielle had auditioned for Moonstones and was my other favorite choice for the role and I could not do both girls and the one that I chose um you know I basically chose because uh it, it, it was 
not necessarily a fair thing, but she was the one who would come in with the boy I wanted to cast. And the two of them I had seen together and their rapport was something I couldn't turn down. But here's this other girl that was just as good. And so, and, and very different and had other different strengths as well. And, um, you know, I, I didn't necessarily have this, have her in, in mind for the next film, but her name came up again. I was like, oh man, yeah, that girl, she was so good. You know, this other thing. And, and she was 14, which was just about right for that um, character who's supposed to be around that age. And um, yeah, everything just fell into place. That's awesome. And it was uh, a- that's also a good reminder to actors that like, you know, even if it's a no, sometimes they'll remember you because they always tell you that and you're like, is that true? So that's good yeah. to know. Oh, you know, any casting director who is worth worth their weight is going to uh, keep a track of everybody. I mean, not keep track of, but they're going to keep your... I mean, you you waste so much time having to look up new people if you don't keep the, sure. the folder, the info. What am I trying to say? If you don't keep like everybody's headshot that I've auditioned for, unless somebody yeah. is like really mean to you, you have to keep their stuff. That makes sense. That's that's good because you know sometimes you feel like with all the auditions you do, you're like, oh, you're wasting time. But that's a good reminder that it's like you're, you I know, think, kind of showing off your work and everything like that. You know, I I don't do that much casting these days, but uh, speak. I used to do. I a know lot you have, right, right. Have yeah, and I always hold on to everybody because it's just it's purely selfish. If somebody comes up and says, oh hey, we need you to cast something, I don't want to have to look up new people. I want to have people right there. <laughs> so that's it's like, fair. yeah, that's no. Purely selfish. We do well to keep everybody around. Absolutely. Um, and I also like I really liked Gabrielle because it's, you know, it included the, the main dance teacher. She's unfortunately telling her, you know, that Gabrielle, she's not good enough. And I feel like I've we've all had that experience, or a lot of us have as artists, having a teacher saying, You're not good enough, which is really, it's really damaging. As adults, you know, I, I feel like some in some ways I've also been able to be like, haha, look, I did this. But at the same time, you know, for kids, it's terrible. Did you like have any experiences you can remember being told you weren't good enough and how you, how did you overcome them? Oh yeah. Like all the time. And I overcame it basically by making short films about it. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, my uh, teenage years were basically a steady stream of that, like for better or worse. And I think it did make me come out at the other end, better able to um, weaponize that as a, as an art form. But uh, I mean, not that I consider myself like an artist it's it you are but okay (laughs) but I I wouldn't like use that word but I just feel uncomfortable with it because there's people that I consider as artists and like I don't want to put myself in that no okay but anyway you know um what was I oh just that um it's big I I I think the best the the best form of revenge is often good storytelling that's true that's true storytelling is often the best form of revenge whichever way you want to (laughs) like switch that around so write out your pain is what you're saying okay good okay exactly paint and you know um yeah that makes sense Um, no 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 just i think these things do have to be uh you know used as fodder for um material as uh, you know my mom often says oh you you know this is something you can use for material and you know half the time it's about something that's really quite beleaguering in like real life you think oh shit I don't want to use that you know and at the same time later you'll probably end up using this you know you you meet somebody who's extremely um mean acting or I, I can't think of a great example but you know just something that's beyond um exhausting at the time but uh goodbye Patricia is full of them 
Right. And I, you know, it's not therapy for me. I think there are better ways to do therapy than making people watch it as a movie. It's not really fair to the others, but, but if there's something that you can connect with people through, that's a, yeah. that's a different matter entirely. There is some there. I think some of us have a tendency uh, to want to just like put stuff down on paper and uh, because it makes us feel better. And I think there's a, often a fine line between what we should just show to ourselves and what we should mm. uh, work on to the point that we show it to other people. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, and just really quickly too, uh, you, you did the film Biff and Me in 2020. Yeah. That was a really powerful piece on not like judging a book by its cover and uh, upending gender norms. How did the idea for that come about? Oh gosh. So I almost can't take credit for it because I mean, although it is, it was my idea. I had seen a, a film with a very similar premise, just the basic, you know, not, not saying I went and stole it, but, but you no, know, I know the, what you mean. Yeah. the very basic premise was the same, which is that a boy who everybody thinks is a bully uh, befriends a girl who's very like princessy. That's about it. Uh, that's about where the similarities end. Hmm. But the film that I saw was, um, you know, it ultimately the boy, uh, not even real surprisingly in that case, turned out to have a, a feminine side that he was kind of trying too hard to hide. Like it really right. didn't come out. And it was a lovely film. But what bothered me about it was that it was dealt with so seriously. And I have this, not everybody has this for better or worse. I have this tendency to really need to deal with things through comedy that are 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 hard and being yourself when everybody is saying two things at you one being be yourself and the other being well unless that's something we don't like then don't be yourself and I feel like we get those two messages all the time yeah. and so it was something that I needed to work through I, I mean I didn't have Biff's experience nobody probably has but you know um dealing with things that are traumatic through comedy or dealing with things that are difficult through comedy. In Biff's case, it is something that's fairly heavy. Like he needs to express himself a certain way that is not uh, how people express, uh, excuse me, expect, uh, you know, boys and especially like tough guys to yeah. express them. I mean, his name's literally Biff. Like he's yeah. you know, supposed to be girly, but he is. Back to the future, Biff. Exactly. He is named after Back to the Future Biff. Gotcha. I was going to ask. Yeah. Bullies are named Biff. That's how it works. <laughs> It, you know, the, the film is, a, is like really a pastiche. Like it, it is, I, I really just couldn't stand, um, seeing the issue of a kid who needed to express himself in an unexpected way dealt with so heavily. I understand that it is a heavy thing, but I thought, why not just try to express this joyfully and in a way that people keeps people laughing, not at the kid, but, um, Comedy is powerful. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like we're not laughing at him. I mean, maybe at the fact he's in a dress, haha. But that's not really funny. What's What's funny is just how absurd everybody's expectations are. Like the whole situation is weird. And my my goal there was just to kind of hold the mirror up to it and say, hey, this you know, what he wants is not stupid. But everything that's happening is pretty stupid. <laughs> you know the way people oh, are reacting. Yeah. Um, and just right before we get to your, your main film, I do just want to mention really quickly uh, the film, The Test, which you made with our mutual friend, Noreen. Yes. Uh, that one is very, so shout out to her. That was yes. a very, very big uh, deviation from your other film. So like, what was the, like, cause it's about a girl who really wants to be an actress, but then she ends up getting pregnant. 
what what was the impetus for this one? And so so different from your other films. I yes, think. the reason it's very different from my other films is because it's the only film right now on which I was a director for hire. And it's actually Noreen's film and William Hui's film. And the two of them, um, both of whom are very good friends of mine, uh, William and Noreen made that film together. And Noreen, uh, no, no, both of them wrote it. Oh, okay, they, right, right. She did mention she yeah, yeah. Yes, they wrote and produced it and hired me to come in and direct it. So the truth is, I had nothing to do with the genesis of that. I just came in and said, how do you guys see this happening? What's the relationship between the, you know, um, I'm, I was, a, I was a hired hand on that one. So that's why, that's why it's a huge, <laughs> you're not kidding. It's a huge departure. It's not mine. That's why. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes sense. But it's a, do you, is it uh do you prefer to work on your own stuff or is it kind of fun to also jump well yeah to jump oh in? it is really fun actually it's it's very fun and can be sort of freeing it works another muscle it's like well I you know I I know where I'm going to go most of the time not right. always but mostly uh I don't always I don't usually know where other people are going to go so when somebody says right. hey do you have a free day you want to come in and direct this like I will normally do it um I one of the things that I should do more of is putting myself out there to get outside directing jobs. And really, you know, young directors, new directors are supposed to do that. And I really haven't. And, um, you know, I probably could afford to, but I'm really just interested in making the stuff I want to make because it is still sure. such early days. I feel like later on, I won't have a, as much of as much freedom to do that. So there's at least one more big one I want to do and then, you know, see what happens. Absolutely. I mean, you're doing good with your own you're more than one, but um, and your main film, as I mentioned, is Goodbye Petrushka, which is out now. And this is your first full feature, right? I believe, yeah. which is so mm -hmm. exciting. And um, what what is the process for like writing a feature like this? You start like with an outline other than, I mean, you had the short to base it on kind of, but like yeah. how did you even just like really get started writing this? Like, what's that process like? You know, uh, when the process goes well, you don't remember writing it at all. And the truth oh, is- that's I good. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I do know that it generated itself around 2015, uh, excuse me, 2013. Um, and I had uh, ideas for it that just sort of floated around in my head, both both um, that one and Gabrielle. And for that matter, probably the others all came from a certain image that was in my head. Petrushka being bigger had more like scenes that were sort of floating around in my head. And then like sort of, you know, I ended up driving... Uh, I ended up imagining certain scenes and thinking, man, these would fit together so well. And then de uh, deriving a story to kind of like go around them. I think that was the process there. There were a number of scenes that had happened in my real life that were like larger than life and kind of, mm. uh, I kept meeting people who were crazily larger than life. And this was during the period that I was in Paris, um, oh, okay. you know, as a student, um, you know, studying French and theater and all this, uh, stuff that you don't do if you want to make money and uh, you don't do arts generally if you want to you know, if you want to be rich you really kind of don't <laughs> and man I you know I'm seeing how I'm seeing how this decision has come back to bite me now that I'm trying to find fund excuse me fund another feature um but you know I wouldn't be making a feature if I had wanted to make money so it's this yeah weird no story. I mean and I think you'll you'll, you'll succeed I, I have no doubt I do think so it just requires me to be awake at some really weird hours like most hours yeah majority of hours I'm awake um when you're super famous and like getting your Oscar you know it'll be worth it uh <laughs> it comes with a cash prize I'll be I just need you know I need to be able to no, fund I, I don't even care if people recognize it I need to be able to do it and absolutely you know, absolutely yeah. the Oscar would be great I'm, yeah. I'm not against the Oscar I'm just saying I don't I don't like I, I feel like that's totally a possibility for you I think you're oh, thank you yeah um 
And the the film, uh, your lead, this time it's played by someone else. Claire moves to New York City, from New York City, excuse me, to Paris to pursue her love of puppets. Yes. Uh, and I think you've done stuff with puppets before. What's your background in like puppets and why that? <laughs> I uh, When I was acting, I was a puppeteer for about um, six years. And actually that is one reason that I did not truly quit acting when I said, now that I think about it, I kept doing puppets as a puppeteer for hire through about 2019. But weirdly, that was, this is where their story has a twist. It's because I actually was making money. I was exhausted because it is an exhausting job. It's like, um, you know, doing circus shows and stuff, but like, at a certain point, 2019, I really needed to stop because I was getting really, really burned out. And I think burnout is very real in all of these things, especially um, stuff that's like performing for kids where you just have to be at like 110% energy uh-huh. all the time. I'm, I'm not at 100% energy any of the time. So I don't think everybody's at 100 all the time. You might yeah. think they are, but I don't think that's... Yeah. No, no. People just do a good job of faking it. Exactly. There are people who seem that way, um, who do a very, very good job of appearing. I don't know. There's people, there are people who are just forces of nature, you know, watching people like perform at, at shows at midnight and still have that stamina. I, I mean, I know how they do it because I've done it, but I don't get it. Like, yeah. I think, how are you not? Anyway. Drugs. No, I'm just kidding. Uh... Here, drugs. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> Sure. No, it's like you know sometimes you just push yourself and then you know of course, unfortunately sometimes you get sick from it or sometimes you just have to take a big break after it but yeah I mean it does so that, anyway yeah puppetry when I was studying like when I was studying in France uh, studying theater I was actually uh training in a sort of on the ground way as a professional puppeteer and that is something that I did for a living for several years so I did actually make a living as an actor like I was able to do that but it was just because of the puppets like if I had just been acting as myself I would have fallen into the same thing that everybody falls into well there's way too much supply and no demand and nobody needs you and I believe me that was I could when I was acting I could never get agents to even look at me I yeah I I could never um you know, it's only by doing things that weren't that that I've been able to, it's only by, you know, making these movies and pushing them out into the, uh, pushing them out into the world, I've been able to have anybody stop and look and say, oh, wait, she's actually good at something, you know, um, it's like, why did it, why did it take all that? But the, but it, it became a means to a different end. Like, I wasn't looking to perform anymore, even though, like, I think I was probably good at it. But after a certain oh, yeah, point, you were. The, the roles thank done. you. Yeah. But like, after, after a certain point, I was just like, gosh, I don't even think I'm trying to do this anymore. And, you know, I was waiting to see, OK, well, now our managers and agents going to, you know, call me in for a meeting, for God's sake. And it, no, I was always a leftover mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. I think just because, like, people think in terms of types and I didn't yeah, really that's what drives me I yeah submit to a lot of agents and it's like we like you we have your type we have your type it's like they want to put you in one little box and it's frustrating because you can do more than that that is my type I don't have a type yeah and I, you know anyway yeah don't get me started kind of, yeah it kind of honestly it kind of limits them because they don't realize what they're missing out on but you know they don't they don't bother checking yeah that's kind of but they who, don't pursue the question they they just want their 10 percent yeah, unfortunately. Uh, except if an, any Asian is listening to this and wants to hire me, then you're the best. You're well, you definitely, yeah, definitely should hire. But yeah, it, that is a struggle in the industry that very much, at least for me. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's I think especially in New York, it's because 
there's so many great people too. It's hard to like, and the, and the agents have so much over overabundance. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, getting back to this, Claire is plays played by, hopefully I'm saying her name right, Lizzie Kehoe, is it? Yes, correct. Um, mm-hmm. And Thibault, who's played by, um, again, as in your uh, in your short film, he's played by Thomas, how do you say the last name? Vielje. Vielje, okay. Um, they have a great chemistry in this. Since you already had your Thibault, what was the process for picking Lizzie? Were there like chemistry tests done? How did that work? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And since it was during COVID, we had to do it all right. over Zoom, plus the fact that the two of them were actually across the country from each other at the time. Wow. Okay. East West Coast, because uh, Thomas was uh, in, does live in LA, was living in LA at the time as well. And uh, Lizzie was between Florida, where she's also from Florida, and we're both from Florida. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, and uh, so she was between there and New York. So really, it was a matter of getting the two of them. Uh, on zoom together and um so uh long story short uh yeah claire was more difficult to cast because they needed somebody who spoke french fluently but was american um just french french girl because there's no room there for there to be like cultural misunderstandings and stuff so you needed to pick an american who spoke french fluently but who spoke it not the way a french person speaks it which would be different yeah yeah that makes sense different and so um you know she was she was really, really tough to find, but there she was, and she was just right. And uh, where'd you come from? You know, here's this girl, <laughs> like sparkles like a unicorn, and it's just right in yes. the world. Yeah. That's awesome. And um, um, you just never know. Yeah, she either submitted herself or her agent submitted. I don't. I think she submitted herself, honestly. Awesome. Yeah. But I'm guessing you went through a lot of people then. Is what you're saying too? Though. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I think I saw a couple hundred people for that role, and that's just out of the hundreds that submitted. And you know, I try to be pretty liberal about asking anybody if I have even a inkling that they might be right. I ask them to send in a tape, which I do not to waste their time. I do it because often the ones who end up rising to the top are ones I didn't think I would use. Hmm. Interesting. Was that, that right for her as well, or was that? Was it that way for her as well or no? Like uh, She was her? just one of many that I thought, let's call her in. Let's see. People uh, people mentioned the fact, oh, she really looks like me. She does look a bit like me. Um, that actually is totally accidental. I had somebody else in mind before her who did not look anything like me. And it came down to the two of them. And, um, you know, uh, really, it was just that she ticked all the boxes just right and couldn't find anybody else like her and wasn't looking at that point for anybody else like her, her, you know. Um, And uh, Thomas, I actually had re-auditioned for the part because I wanted to make sure we had a couple other typos in the mix that were very, very good. And I wanted to see if they actually, um, you know, meshed better with Lizzie. So yeah, a lot of chemistry stuff. And it turns out you can do that by Zoom. I don't necessarily recommend it, but you can. No, that makes sense. And that's that's really interesting to hear too. Um, and and then there is um because basically uh, you know, obviously my review will say that, but um she goes to, you know, Paris, works on puppeteering, but she also of course connects to um Thibaut, this figure skater who, you know, is is dealing with the same thing in the in the short, kind of mm-hmm. the creative like brick wall and not trying to find something else to do. Um and she also has uh Lizzie, I'm sorry, Lizzie Claire. Also mm-hmm. has a boyfriend in this film, um, Rafal, played by Bartek Zemanski. Okay, mm-hmm. that was really an interesting, you know, um, relationship there. There's a big yeah. contrast between um, him and Thibault, even though she's not dating Thibault. Raphael is the is the boyfriend, but there's more substance to Thibault. Um, yeah. yeah, I think um, kind of. Or, sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say that's kind of how I saw it. There was kind of, um, it was the first love, I guess, for her, but it was still kind of like the not, it wasn't as much as she expected it was going to be, kind of, if that makes yeah. sense. I I think it's really disappointing for her. And I think the, yeah. the, main, thing, the main thing, and uh, probably, probably disappointing for him in some ways as well, that we're not, um, we're not really like, we're never looking at things from his point of view. If we did, I think it would be quite interesting. Um, I have more sympathy for that character than some people do. There are some people who find him just completely creepy and unsympathetic, um, which, okay, yeah, no, I understand. But, you know, um, to me, he represents um, the the boyfriend that we leap into a relationship with, like, really early on without yes. bothering to get to know. Yeah, that's and, kind of, yeah, that was what I was trying to find the words for. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, he, you know, in, in his case, he turns out to be manipulative and controlling and, and kind of nuts, although I think there's more behind that. Yeah, as you definitely. We don't really get his backstory. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Don't, And I would like to have it, actually. Well, I mean, I, in my head, I kind of know what it is. But, like, you know, that was something we talked about with Bartek and with Lizzie, but not really. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't, unfortunately, we don't have the chance to see it on screen. I really wish we did. It's not part of that story. It's just there's no room. It doesn't okay. really have a place there. Um, but I think he represents the person who falls in love at you and that you fall in love mm -hmm. at because like he's there he wants you you want him it seems like it should all work out and you're 22 or you're 19 or whatever and then you're oh but like shockingly that relationship didn't work out with that person that I only knew for two seconds before he asked <laughs> and like you know um somebody commented in a review that it was a fairy tale romance and I thought oh dear god no it's no, it's no it's like they do not bother to get to know each other and then next thing they know they're in bed together and realizing one of them's crazy and one of them needs to escape you know but it's it's like, it's unfor it's relatable because it's like you said the one you jump into or even yeah. when she says i think she has you have a line something like where she says is that all there is or is this all there is and that just to me was just so poignant because it's so relatable because someone's like you know you like and think this guy's gonna be perfect you know whatever yeah. it's not like it's like and also she's feeling so needful at that point because here's Thibaut that she's longing for and wanting. She doesn't know him well either, by the way, but that's also, she's 19. Like she's 19, give her a break. But, but you know, she, she's she been wanting him and wanting him and wanting him. She cannot have him. He's in a relationship and he's all right. these things. And then here's Rafael who is also probably 19, 20 and comes up to her and says, I want you. And she's like, well, then I want you. And she's not. Yeah, trying. yeah. Like she can't help herself at that point. Yeah. Exactly up and she wants to take what he's offering and it does not work out for either they're not compatible and he's probably quite harmful but it's you know we I had more written about that character than ever appeared in the film and what appears is just I don't I don't even think it would be I don't even think it would be beneficial to the film to even show anymore I mean I'd love to but I think it would just be seen as wandering way off into left right. field with him I I think yeah, I was saying to somebody the other job that I feel like with filmmaking, my my approach is to be a portraitist and draw everything I can that's there to give you an idea of what's around the character. And then some of the rest you kind of have to fill in. No, it makes sense. And I think, um, too, I mean, just even even saying, you know, his character does is not great things. But I do think there's a lot of like they're both young and communication issues. I feel like there's a lot of that, like, you know, they don't really know how to navigate um on guys yeah. you know they, this could have been resolved with a two-word thing really early on basically yeah. screw off you don't really know <laughs> they don't really know how to do that i think probably either of them too young 
Um, and both of them completely emotionally uh, charged and like very stupid acting and, and frankly in a lot of ways yeah no but yeah it's it, but it's it, very it, alike in some ways actually but that not not in not complimentary yeah and you also I mean even though it's not a really explicit love scene they do have a love scene did you hire yeah. like, an intimacy coordinator or anything or how did you do that scene or how did that go and although our um we we had a crew member whom uh the who uh, the actors really trusted who she and I worked together on things like breathing and uh, we had a closed set so it was just the people who absolutely most needed to be on there but I really worked through the, with them every movement of what it was going to be and I think it was still taxing um so possibly you know I I will be really clear about one thing I think there's a certain point at which you need an intimacy coordinator and that's you know uh, if there are actually things that are overtly sexual that are being uh simulated in this case it was only implied that they had had sex right, yeah it wasn't yeah, yeah. you know yeah, yeah. um so it wasn't something where that where bringing another person onto set in the midst of covid and you know testing everybody we decided not to possibly in another parallel situation with different circumstances it would have been the time to but I think you know I think we pulled it off um, I felt comfortable doing what I needed to do and I think the actors ultimately I mean there is a certain level of discomfort for sure but I think just what was necessary because those are not comfortable scenes oh yeah there's also it's just not you wouldn't be comfortable in that in real life that much no scenario, yeah no it was interesting because in the scenes with Thibault and and his girlfriend uh there's one sort of post-love scene except it's 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 very sort of anticlimactic but the uh they they were actually so at ease with what they were doing it's just like eh, you know <laughs> so it just also depends on personality experience what do you you know what do you feel like today <laughs> yeah no that makes sense um and I did want to touch on as we're getting short on time a little bit, but okay. I did want to touch on um like cause she go when she goes to France to make some money, also she ends up nannying as well. And I really liked how kind of like you kind of satired the culture without being kind of mean. And I also, you know, you you deal with her horror of dealing with these crazy kids. Did you ever like I know a lot of New York City actors do babysitting or nannying? Yeah. Do you have experience with that or like what? Yeah, mine was pretty negative. It was very, very similar. That part of the film is, although it is it is um, changed and exaggerated and distorted, uh, that's probably one of the plots where there's the most truth to what was going on, just because it was so weird and surreal. It was it was prime movie stuff. And um, yeah, no, I dealt with a family that was very difficult. Um, I think some people have really wonderful experiences, um, like being au pairs and nannies and uh, English teachers for families and you know French teachers and we whatever I think uh you know that I, I I'm never trying to imply for a moment that her experience is like what anybody should expect to have gone no, through. no I was you know yeah no of course not but it is interesting how much people do recognize it um there's a character uh called the babysitting Paris lady early on in the movie who acts as this sort of soothsayer character to Claire warning her don't go au pair for one of these families because um, they, they, <laughs> they're going to treat you very badly. And she just kind of knows what's going to happen. And that just, it, that implies that there is a sort of system uh, of people keeping like very green American girls in, in a sort of horrid captivity. And, you know, um, there is a thing that happens. There's a class system and a culture that, um, you know, 
that uh, the, the culture can be really wonderful, but the class system can be wielded very uh, dangerously against uh, foreigners, especially foreigners from like like uh, the character in that uh, movie that's their housekeeper who comes from Africa and speaks neither English nor French fluently. Mm-hmm. And she's being always kept off balance by this family. And, and you know, I w- really would like to know her backstory. Mm-hmm. I know that... Um, you know, the family doesn't treat her well, that they always keep her off balance. I don't know what she's being paid, you know, if yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a cultural critique, but it certainly doesn't mean to tar the whole thing. No, and I didn't. I like I think you like, did it in a way that was really good. And it was also just walking like, a line. Some of it was also like was hilarious too, like with the kids, oh like when she loses it with the kids. Like and also what is it like dealing with because you work with minors a lot? Like how how does that all work? Like making sure. I know there's all these rules for them and also just getting them to just like enjoy the day and also like herd the cats of all the children. How does that work? Well, the 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 herding process, I mean, when you're working with a crowd of children, you're not the only one working with them. And we had our, our second, uh, excuse me, our, our um, yes, our second AD was actually acting as a child wrangler that day. Oh. So, uh, so uh, it wasn't just me. Um, you know, as far as the paperwork and stuff, I had somebody doing that on this film. Uh, it's not just me, thank God, because I, I honestly, I'm only good at paperwork if absolutely forced to be. And even then it's a real stretch. Um, I'm, I'm fairly, uh, I, I, my eyes start to swim and my brain stops working. And, but, um, no, I mean, uh, there is a lot of paperwork that you have to make sure you get done way ahead of time checks have to be written out a certain way administratively there's just a bunch of stuff that you have to make sure you kind of you know you you can't just have the kid come on set and start working I mean you know uh, if it's a very very short volunteer thing uh, you know you can figure it out I suppose but basically you have to make sure that they've got you know what they call a Coogan account which is a child actor um, savings account that the parent doesn't access and then there's another percentage that's paid to uh outside of the account and um to make sure that they have a valid work permit from the state in which you're filming and blah 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 so that has to be squared away way ahead of time because you can't just have them come on without that you will get in trouble yeah and i'm assuming they also like each have their parent or some kind of person yeah they have to have a guardian on set you know and there's a certain number of hours that they can work there are certain breaks that are mandated even if uh, they're non-union or let's say the film is non-union because all these shorts were non-union and so forth that um even then you know up to a certain age they can only work nine hours a day there's got to be i mean non-union you can say hey you guys want to work 30 more minutes they're like sure you know fine but at union you can't do that oh that makes sense but yeah that's it that it is a lot of work and did these kids were they all like just like excited to be there or did you pretty much that's good that's good you probably made a fun well also because they get to kind of freak out and everything and run around it's like little noodles and, thank god yeah it kind of played into what they were already ready to do that's perfect oh um, crazy will you oh see i see i don't have to ask you okay great yeah exactly exactly um and i feel like the the ending um really shows Claire finding her path and in Thibault actually does find a way to incorporate his work you know the ice skating to stay connected while not actually performing and my favorite line in the film is like something like the light you saw in someone else is your light reflected back at you tell me more about this line I feel like it's the main message of the film thank you yeah it is it comes at the very last second but you realize it's kind of been there all along and that's exactly how I found it is that I realized this is what the film has been saying all along and I think that's why it resonates with so many people is because 
it came out very organically. I don't remember, but the last line originally was something else. And I don't, re- it wasn't as good. I don't remember what it was. That's how, that's how memorable it was. I just don't know. But uh, it needed to be ultimately what it became because I realized Claire had been, you know, making the same mistake that we all continually make uh, of trying to find everything that we're searching for in other people. And sometimes we're lucky and we do see it in other people. Uh, Sometimes there's a certain sort of bright light that we're looking for that actually does exist in other people. And we only know about it because we saw it in somebody else. But there's another thing that can happen, which is where you see a part of something you're searching for in somebody else, but you take the part for the whole rather than like, oh, this is an aspect I like, but like, I don't actually know if there's anything else there. And that's something that I had to learn by uh, years of experience, observing people and realizing, oh, just because I idolize them doesn't mean this is actually correct, or, or this is actually like justified, <laughs> you know? No, that's, that's, that makes sense. Um, and before I let you go, I wanted to ask as well, um, all of my guests are usually asked this in this industry, you know, creatives go through, you know, periods where sometimes they might be like, oh, I just throw my hands up and I give up. Um, But it's always incredible to me to hear how they got through that, um, just to inspire other people. So did you ever have an experience like that? And like, what got you through it? Yes, I have that experience on just about a weekly basis. And I always end up, something always ends up happening. I end up having some other idea or I get, sometimes it's passive. I get another email that makes me think, oh, this is good news. I need to continue. Or somebody, or or I, maybe I, I say something or I think of something or I realize one thing I still have left to do before I actually throw in the towel. And right. I'm going to throw in the towel. It's just not happening. It hasn't happened yet. It's not really going to not not until I'm old and retired, just you know, completely <laughs> not and useless. But um, you know, uh, no, I I I think the thing is to just uh, this is going to sound really trite. I can't avoid it, but just realize you have more to give and keep giving. Yeah, no, I think that's very true. Yeah, absolutely, that's that's perfect. By the way, I have a crap ton of trouble following my own advice. So there, we all do sometimes. But that's a really good thing. You have more to give. Don't don't stop yet. Don't don't give up just yet. You you can wait a day, then give up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that does. Yeah, I like that. Um, And if people want to like follow your, you see what's happening next or to check out any of your films, if you want to tell us like the best places to go. I know we mentioned your website, but like your social media. Yes, please. So uh, it's, uh, the film is at Goodbye Petrushka Film. Petrushka is P-E-T-R-U-S-H-K-A on um, both Instagram and Facebook, where I guess it's also an at ultimately, uh, type that into the search bar. You'll find right. it. Yeah. And um, uh, also, if you do like them, if you watch the movie, the movie is available streaming from our distributor on uh, Amazon Prime. And uh, I almost said Rotten Tomatoes. You can go review it there, but that's not what I'm trying to say. It's available on, uh, depending where you are, it's not available everywhere in the world, but it's, let me see if I can rattle this off. Amazon Prime, it's available in the US and the UK. Free with Prime, it's included. Yes. Yeah, so. Free with Prime. Yes. Please go watch it on Prime. And if you like yeah. it, please review it on Prime because we can Yay. always, always, always use more reviews. Um, it it boosts us seriously every awesome. time yeah. one person reviews it. It really um you can also review it and should review it. You can cross-post the same review, uh, make it short and sweet to uh IMDB and Rotten Tomatoes, where it's also there. You just type in goodbye Petrushka and you should be able to. And then um the film. If you're not in the U.S. or the U.K., you can see it in Canada and Mexico and uh, Australia and New Zealand. 
and I want to say India, but I'm not sure if that's wow. true to check, but um, somebody in India is going to have to back me up on this, but <laughs> it, there's a platform called Tubi, which oh, a lot Tubi, of films. Yeah, I think I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tubi's great. Tubi has a lot of indie films that are good. Anyway, um, we're on there. We're also on Google Play and YouTube uh, in, in YouTube for rental, you know, not free, obviously. Of course, of course. In Canada, for sure. And in the US, I know that... Um, U- U.S. and the U.K. Where you're you're definitely overcovered because it's on both Tubi and Prime, and then everywhere else that I mentioned just now: Canada, Mexico, New Zealand, Australia, and I think maybe India, according to JustWatch.com. Again, I can't I can't verify this, but all of uh, all of that is Tubi. Uh, so um, you know, if you're in the U.S. or U.K., you have no excuse not to catch it. <laughs> you should watch it. I do ask that you leave us a little review because it it just really it can even just be like oh I enjoyed the film great story whatever but you know it's, it's just great to have the comments absolutely and then as I mentioned I think it's Nic- Nicola Rose directs for your website oh that's my uh, yes that's my website that's also my Instagram my my own Instagram which is fine to follow um you know it's not like private or anything but the the film really is the one that has all the updates for Goodbye Patricia I just meant also in general too if people want to yeah check yeah yeah. Well, you're probably I just never update my website. That's the real problem. <laughs> like um, I did earlier this year because I realized probably I ought to have my feature film on my reel. Yeah, and... yeah, no, the reel is very nice. It's it's mostly you. about that. And yeah, the there's a lot of easy to navigate too, like to see all your different films and everything. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, go see goodbye, Patricia. Check out her other films. And thank you so much for your time, Nicola. I really it was fun. It. Thank all you. Right, I'll see you soon. Bye. Hey again, it's Johanna Grisay, your host of Johanna's RP. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Um, thank you so much to Nicola for coming in and doing an interview with me, or virtually rather. And her film, Goodbye Patricia is out now. You can find out more about her on NicolaRoseDirects.com. That's all one word, NicolaRoseDirects.com. As I mentioned, this podcast is going to be going on a bit of a longer hiatus very soon. We might have one more, one or two more episodes, but um, that's probably going to be a it for quite a bit of time because I just want to focus on some other things or at least we'll be rounding out the end of the season very soon but I wanted to dedicate this episode to you the listener the viewer I really appreciate your support you can still find out what else I'm doing at my website johannagrisay.com or you can check out my Instagram uh, at johanna r grisay those are all um, underscores in between the johanna r and grisay on Twitter at johanna grisay so you'll be able to see what I'm up to there but I want to work on some other things as well Uh, as we're leading up to the holiday season please stay safe, be well. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care.